Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. If, if, if you've been with us uh, for the past week or two, we, we, we started a new series. And the title of the series is, When God Calls You Out. Now, uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer, and I know this for a fact, that God calls each and every one of us out individually. He even gifts us with certain talents and gifts to, to pursue those certain things that he calls us out with right? He, 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 there's, there's certain things he's called us out individually to do, but that's not what this series is about. This series is more about what God has called each of us who identify ourselves as Christians out to do. There are certain key components of our faith that God calls all of us to do daily, it's, it's, it's non-negotiable things. It's, it's things that, that, as, that people should be able to look at you without wearing a, a big I love Jesus t-shirt or what would Jesus do bracelet or the fish on the back of your car. They should be able to look at you because of these certain things that you do as a Christian and automatically say they must represent Jesus because of what they're doing, because of their actions. And last week we talked about how God has called every one of us who identifies ourselves as Christians to, number one, care. He's called all of us to care. He's called each and every, if you call yourself a Christian and you don't care about your neighbor, then you need to reconsider that title. If you call yourself a Christian and you could give a doggone about some kid who, 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 who's in need of backpacks or whatever, it's like, it's not my concern, I got my own, you need to reconsider Consider the title. The, what we're going to talk about today is another part of our faith that God calls us to, and that is he calls us to be generous. He calls us to be generous, and I'm not going to beat around the bush. This ain't going to be one of those God calls us to be generous with our times. No, I'm just, God calls us to be generous with our time and our money. I'm just going to call it like it is. It's in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we're going to unpack that today. God calls us to be generous, and it is one of the measurements he'll look at when you get to the pearly gates. It's a fact, Jack. We'll talk about that today. If you are taking notes, uh, the first scripture I want to share with you today comes from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 7. We find these words, since you excel... In so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. This is Paul sharing this letter to the church in Corinthians, and he's speaking. He's trying to encourage them to be a part of the giving to the Jewish Christians. See, with the, the Jewish Christians who began to follow Christ, they were, they were isolated. 
They were ostracized. They were kicked out of the community. That connection, once they became uh, Christians, they, they were totally, completely kicked out of their community. And so here they are, Christians, new Jewish Christians without a home, without a community to call their own, and they're lost, and they're looking for a place or, or, or people that will worship with them. So they got to find a, 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 a place where they can come together as a community to worship. And in order to do that, they have to put together a church or some type of assembly, but they don't have the funds and they don't have the resources to do that. And so Paul writes this letter saying, hey, Church of Corinthians, Y'all got some phenomenal speakers. Your faith is incredible. Y'all got all the money in the world. Tell you what, join us in this. You've been good in your faith. You've been good in everything else. You got phenomenal uh, speakers, and, and you've benefited from our love. And the love that he's talking about is the selfless act of love that he demonstrated to them. One of the first places he started his, his mission work was in, at the church in, in, in Corinthians. Right? And, so, and so he's saying, we've been generous with our love. We've selflessly given. We've put our lives on the line to share this good news with you. So here's what I want you to do. Be good in your gifting. Give back. Be gracious in your gifting. Give back. We've been selfless in our acts, so this is how you can participate. Help our Jewish uh, new believers to follow it. What I want to do to unpack this is use a scripture that we used last week, but I'm going to use the message uh, version of this particular scripture. If you take your notes, it's in your notes there. It says Luke 10, 31 through 35 says this. You find these words. Jesus answered by telling a story. Now, for those who weren't with us last week, let me unpack that. Who did Jesus answer? He was speaking to a religious scholar a Jewish religious scholar at the time who was trying to trump Jesus up on, you know, okay, so, so you say the greatest commandment is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Okay, Mr. Jesus, who is our neighbor? And Jesus, he doesn't go all into this whole thing. What do you mean, fool, who is your neighbor? Let me tell you a story the way Jesus does it. And then this is what Jesus says to this religious scholar. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, religious man, showed up. He also avoided the injured man. Then a Samaritan traveling down the road came on him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his, his wounds. He then lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn, and he made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. I'm going to use this to kind of illustrate three attitudes of a generous person. The three attitudes, not of a generous person, but three attitudes of generosity. And, I, and I, I'll be honest, it's not my own. I didn't come up with this on my own. I took this directly from one of the prolific and, and great uh, uh, teachers on leadership, Mr. John Maxwell, and he categorizes these three things, these three attitudes toward giving. The first one is, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. That's the first attitude toward giving or generosity. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. So brilliantly, 
illustrated here in the story of the robbers who robbed this man who was traveling somewhere. They see this man with little something, something that they don't have, and they say, what's mine is yours, and homeboy, break yourself. I'm taking it. It's mine. Drop it like it's hot. And so they rob him to take his stuff. And the funny thing is that's the attitude of many Christians. What's mine is mine. What's mine, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. It, This is not in your notes, but you can write this on the sidebar. A great way to describe this is a word that begins with a G called greed. Greed is the great definition for what this is. Greed. Y'all know I like to share some other language, but before I do that, I want to share a scripture. Luke 12, 15 says this. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. This is Jesus' warning about greed. What is greed? Well, I, I did my research as always, and I shared a word with you all. It's a Greek word that describes exactly what this greed Jesus is talking about in this particular scripture. And that word is pleo, pleonexia. Pleonexia is the word. Is the Greek word, pleonexia, which is a Greek word for greed, and it simply means a desire for more. That's nobody in this room, I'm sure. Nobody in here wants a bigger house. Nobody in this room wants a better car. Not, not in this room. Y'all, y'all are not greedy folk. Nobody in this room wants a better TV. Nope. Nobody in this room wants a new pair of shoes. Right? I'm talking about the church down the street. It's not this congregation of people that I'm talking to. Nobody in this room wants something more. A lot of times when we think about greed, we're thinking about wanting something more than what we already have or or something like that. We think like just being greedy. It's like, oh, you just want it just to have it. But this is a simple definition. And what Jesus is talking about is simply with this word, a desire for more. God has given me all that I need It's not the best, it's not the prettiest, but it works, doggone it. But for some reason, I want more. I'm here to tell you, a lot of that comes from our culture. Our culture pushes us to want more. That's why these advertisers spend millions and millions and millions of dollars for advertising so that you could be sitting there watching your favorite program, and then there's a break from your favorite program, and it goes to a commercial, and all of a sudden that commercial comes on, and you begin thinking. I shared with you all a couple uh, services ago uh, where, where my wife and I were watching television one time, and we were trying to find different commercial ads to see if we could tell what the ad was about. Because they didn't, like, for instance, uh, it could be a deodorant ad, but they use, like, a sexy woman or, or, or herbal essence shampoo. What does, like, moaning and groaning have to do with washing your hair? I, I don't get that same sensation no matter what shampoo I use. IJS, I'm just saying. You know, I don't get that, but that's what they do. They use, like, the guy with the, with the Old Spice. Old Spice, we know that used to be our granddaddy's stuff. But all of a sudden, this young guy gets on the horse. Look at your man. Look at me. Look at your man. Look at me. And then your wife like, go get that old spice so you can look like him. Come on. Is it about perspiration or 
<laughs> or admiring this dude on the stallion. Look at your man. Look at me. Look at your man. Look at me. But this design that way, it catches our attention. And all of a sudden, we're focused on that product. And all of a sudden, we find a need for that product that we really don't need. God has supplied all of our needs, all of our needs, all of them. But these people spend, our advertisers spend millions of dollars to catch our attention so that we can want more than we already have. Freezers could be full of food. More food, you have so much food you could share with your whole subdivision or community. Right? But all of a sudden, a Chili's commercial come on. And y'all know Chili's don't make the best steak in the world, but it looks so good. Huh? Or Red Lobster, you like, oh, and they got the deal? It happens. It's, it's, it's hap- it happens. What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. That is greed. That is greed. The second thing, attitude, I want to point out is what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. A word to describe that would be called selfishness. You can write that on the side there, selfishness. What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Uh, I think it was last year, maybe, or earlier this year, my dear sister, whom I love dearly, had like a karaoke party. It was like a, and she had this disc, this hip-hop disc, and there was a song on there. You know, you could pick out any hip-hop song, and you do a karaoke style. And uh, yeah, I won't say who it was, but she, she had a really good party. And anyway, there was this song, and as soon as I saw this, What's Mine is Mine, and I'm going to keep it. I thought about that song by M.C. Breed with Tupac. Y'all remember that? I got to get mine. You got to get yours. I got to get mine. That, wasn't that one of the songs on the karaoke thing? I'm almost certain because I think somebody was singing it real hard that day. I got to get mine. You got to get yours. I got to get mine. You got to get yours. And I was going to play that song, but I was like, you know what? Some people might get it. Some people won't. The bottom line is that's the type of generation. That's the type of world we live in right now. I listen to AM radio all the time and everybody, you know, I listen to all of these shock jocks and all of this stuff. And, you know, everybody hates Obama. You know, I, I, I don't ever use my pulpit to do political grandstanding. I just won't do that. I just won't use this place for that. That's not what this is for. But it's funny because I listen to people, right, and and everybody has their opinion about things. And they're like, well, we should get rid of affirmative action. I, I worked hard to make it in this world, and I should do this, and I won't give my opinion about it. But the bottom line is it's so anti-Christian. If, if, if I read history and understand the history of this country, this country was built on Christian principles. This is a country that's built on Christian principles. It don't say on our dollar bill in Allah we trust. It doesn't say on our dollar bill in Buddha we trust. It doesn't say on our dollar bill in the rabbi we trust. It says in who? In God we trust. That alone says where our principles are built in this country. And if we're built on Christian principles, then we need to act like it. And what do I mean by that? What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it is not Christian. It's not. Because if that was the case, Jesus would have held back everything he had. Everything. He would have been like, I ain't healing nobody today. I'm going to heal myself. I'm just going to keep healing myself. Healed. Healed. Healed again. I'm not blessing nobody today. It's all mine. But no, he didn't do that. 
Jesus didn't think of himself when he was preaching to about 5,000 Jewish people that were sitting there for, for, for days on end, listening to him drop the knowledge and wisdom. He didn't sit there and say, man, I'm hungry. Let me just, you know what, homeboy, let me borrow your fish so I can feed myself. No. He didn't say, homeboy, let me borrow that bread so I can feed myself. Let me make me a fish sandwich. You, a sandwich is better than a sandwich in case you want. That's the one that we're like when you eat it, you start humming. That's a sandwich. A sandwich is like, oh, this is good. I'm getting full. But a sandwich, you take that first bite. Y'all know what a sandwich is? Come on, don't pretend. Y'all getting bougie on me. What's wrong with y'all? He didn't do that. Jesus took that bread and that fish, and he says, I'm going to feed 5,000 of these Jewish people that I'm dropping knowledge and wisdom to and sharing the good news with. Did he stop there? No. He said, now I'm going to go to the Gentiles, and I'm going to feed about 4,000 plus of them too. He wasn't selfish. And so in this world, in this, in this culture that we live in, we have a selfish, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep an attitude. I got to get mine. You got to get yours. I bust my butt to get yours. I want to remind some people that that's a doggone lie. Somebody reached out and helped you along the way. Somebody introduced you to somebody else that made you get to where you got, fool. You didn't get there on your own. You're not that bright. Everybody looks out for somebody to get to the next level. It's natural. We live in a world that's fully relational. You can't move to the next level without having a relationship with somebody. So this what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it stuff is BS. Not Broderick Santiago, but you know what I'm saying. Fill it in. It's not Christian. And we're in this country built on the foundations of Christianity. Yeah, it's free for religion. You can have your own religion. But our foundation, read the Declaration, read all of the Constitution. It's Christian beliefs in there. I don't agree with some of that stuff because it has a lot to do with slavery, but they even use that to manipulate the people. We'll talk about that another time. I won't get into that. Let's, if you're reading, let's go to the Scripture, Philippians 2, 3 through 4. It says this. Paul is saying to the church in Philippi, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I got to get mine. You got to get yours. Do y'all know that's such an American thing? It's funny that we trip out when we see our brothers that come from across the pond there and they open up Dairy Queens and BP and we all mad about it. But they're like, what's mine is not just mine. I want to help out my family members that are coming here. I want you, you coming over from across the pond. I tell you what, here's the idea. You work for me for about five years and then we're going to take all your money and we're going to put that into a business and you're going to get one. What we're going to do is create a monopoly. We're going to have a BP in every corner or in Dairy Queen in every corner of Atlanta. We've missed that mark here. We've so missed it. Here's what I want to share with you. When we work together caring for the problems of others, as if they were our own, we actually demonstrate Christ's example of putting others first. When we work together as a team, caring for the needs of others as if they were our own doggone problems, where if you hear somebody has an issue, you're like, oh, man, you're desperate. I, I'm, this is a personal story. I know somebody right now that, that needs a really large sum of money, somebody I love and care about. He's a large sum of money to, to avoid eviction and, 
and, and, and, and car repossession. And I've been spending the last 48 hours just sick in my stomach trying to figure out how can I help this person. I'm just distraught not being able to have a solution. I'm like ready to say yes to a gig that, that, that I would have to travel far away from only to make $100 just so I could say all I could do is 100 but here. I need it, but you need it more. And sometimes it's not a monetary thing. Sometimes it's like, well, if that happens, I'll tell you what, I have an extra room. It's the playroom. The kids don't need a playroom. You sleep in that room. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's that. We're going to get into that in a minute. Some of us are just, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. You know somebody's struggling, somebody's hungry, like a friend of yours or a family, and you're like, I ain't got no food. Knowing your pantry full of food, freezer full of food. I don't have any space in my room because that would mean my kids would have to sleep in the same room. So, make room. Make room. I used to trip out when people talked about, you know, I'm Puerto Rican. And people used to, like, make little comments and jokes about us. Like, oh, man, one time I was at a park and I saw about 20 Puerto Ricans get out of a Honda, a Toyota Celica. And it's the truth. But we got it. We understand what community is. Nobody's going to be left there. If we're all going to place and you don't have a ride, brother, get in the trunk. We're all, what's mine is not just mine. I'm going to share it with you. It's a little Toyota Celica, but I don't want you to be left out. We can learn something from my culture and other cultures who do that. We miss that boat. We miss that boat. Some of us want uh, 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 pickup trucks desperately, but we're, we won't buy a pickup truck only because we don't want to help nobody move. Real talk. Come on. Am I telling the truth? Y'all be looking. Y'all be like, man, I would love that new pickup truck, but I know if I buy this, everybody going to be asking me to help somebody move. And I, just because of that, I won't get one. Shame on you. I'm guilty. That's me. God knows I want one of those pickup trucks. My kids love it. They, but I'm just, I don't want to move nobody. I'm tired of moving. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Number three, attitude. <laughs> Y'all are funny. Number three, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. The best way to describe that is generosity. Generosity. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. Here's the good news. As I look across this room, so look across this room. All of you have exhibited that to some degree. All of you. I've witnessed it firsthand where there's a need. You've been first responders. You've been the first people to show up. You've been the first people to give and give big, knowing that you had your own needs to take care of. You didn't think about that. What you thought about is this person is in need, and what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. I often tell my wife early in our marriage, you know, we always have this conversation, you know, where, you know, we were kind of struggling a little bit. And it'd be, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. Everyone who's lived with us has been my family except for one person. I mean, I, that's just me. It's like somebody has a need. Come stay with me. You can stay with me for a little while. You got a plan, though, right? I mean, what's, what's the deadline? When are you going to be out? You got to have a plan. And so there would be times we'd invite people over, and Eric would be like, you know, we don't really have enough food. And I would say, you know what? I grew up in the projects. I shared this with you all last week, man. I grew up in the projects, and it was always an abundance of food. For some reason, the hood had a lot of food. Everybody was eating good. We were eating good. We were, I mean, sometimes it'd just be black-eyed peas and cornbread, but I tell you what, we ate good. 
it was good eating. Sometimes it'd be uh, uh, hot dogs and pork and beans. Oh, come on. She's shaking her head. She know what I'm talking about. Huh? Sometimes it'd be goulash. Goulash go a long way. I love talking about goulash go a long way. You can stretch some goulash out for a week if you make it right. Huh? You can stretch some. You make a big old pot of goulash. Who don't know what goulash is? Macaroni noodles with, with, the, with the beef and, and some tomato sauce. Goulash. That's not the real way. That's just how we made it up in the hood. Huh? You can stretch some poor man's soup out a long way. Who don't know what poor man's soup is now? Okay, poor man's soup is, is basically uh, um, uh, spaghetti noodles with tomato sauce, no meat. They call it poor man's soup because you couldn't put meat in it. Now, if you got lucky, you throw some chicken in there, you know, and they call it poor man's soup. We could stretch that out in the hood, and it'd be good. You'd be eating it. And then I discovered a dessert that came from the hood, egg pie. Huh? Look at it. Look at it. It's a, mm, that's good stuff. That's, you know where that came from? We didn't have flour to make with it. So we just used the egg and whip it up and put sugar in it, and it was a good pie. Egg pie. Huh? It's custard. That's what it is. Right. We ate good in the hood. Why? Because what's mine is not just mine. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. If you're hungry, baby, sit down and let's eat. I only have a loaf of bread, but I tell you what, I'll give you half. I've witnessed people in my family do that. Literally, people come and say, hey, Miss Olivia, listen, we hungry. We ain't, we ain't got a whole lot. And my grandmother literally be like, I got a loaf of bread, and it's got to go with all my grandkids, and, and I got to eat. And she's on a fixed income where she got, you know, fixed income where you get one check a month. Fixed. And my grandmother would take half that loaf and, and, and put it in a, a bag. I don't remember, like a paper bag. I don't remember plastic bags. She'd put a half that loaf in the paper bag and give it. And then she'd go in, the, in, in, in their little pantry and grab one of those cans that said beef on it with the cow. Oh, y'all, man, y'all some bougie people. Y'all don't know about the, the can with the... Anyway, it was government food. Y'all had government cheese, right? All right, we got nine. That was the best macaroni cheese you ever had. Anyway, she'd go in the, in the, in the pantry, and there would be this silver can, I'll never forget, and it, had, it said beef, and it had an emblem of a cow on there. It, it may have been corn. It was, it was beef. It was some part of the beef. But she would give that with that loaf of bread, and that family would eat good. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. What's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. Here's a great illustration of that that I absolutely love, and it has to do with the early church. We'll go to the book of Acts, second chapter, verses 44 through 46. I love this. This is beautiful. I love this. This is what it says. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. I stop right there just for a second. It doesn't say they just shared food. It doesn't say they just shared their space. It says they shared everything. In other words, if you fit my shirt size and you don't have but only one shirt, tell you what, I'll share because I got three. I'll give you one. Now we both got two. They shared everything. I don't have plates to eat on. I tell you what, I got enough for my family and yours. You take these plates. They shared everything. Everything. We overlook that. The first thing we think is that, oh, they just gave them food and money. No, everything. Whatever your need was, you got it that day. 
Because now we're no longer individuals. We are now believers in one unanimous, united community. One. One community. I'll continue. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in, at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and what? Generosity. What? Y'all know how to read. And what? With great joy and generosity. They shared everything. They sold their possessions. Y'all know possessions are right, stuff that we treasure, stuff that we hold that, that just really is important to us. And, you know, I will never get rid of it. Possessions, stuff that, 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 that possesses me. Okay? We, they sold those things that were near and dear to them so that they could give to their brothers and sisters that they started this new community. Wow. Can I tell you how the only place I see stuff like this happen? It's never in this country. It's always other places. It kills me. I love being an American. I'm proud. I don't want anybody to come and say I'm unpatriotic and I don't want the feds coming down on me with this stuff because they listen to my iPods. I've discovered that. I'm a wanted man. I'm just playing. But really, I love being American. I take great pride in being American. There's a lot of great stuff, great opportunities here in America. And everybody has the same shot at it. But our culture, our American culture is so jacked up. We're some selfish people. So much so that when we go on vacation, (laughs) I've traveled overseas on vacation. And I've also traveled for mission. But I'm going to talk about the vacation part. We talk to them like they're below us and we're in their land. We get upset when they don't speak English, but we go to France. We get upset when they don't speak English and we go to Jamaica and and Mexico. You don't speak English? Fool, you're in a Spanish-speaking country. Why didn't you study before you left? Duh. We get offended when, when we go over to Jamaica and they're trying to sell us the trinkets that they've slaved over for the past week to sell so they can feed their family. We get offended because they're trying to make a living. Then stay your monkey behind home. Buy you some fake palm trees, put on some Bob Marley, and say, could you be loved? Don't go offending people where they're from. I'm serious. I'm so sick of it. And it's Americans that do it. We go places where their culture, it's normal to, 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 to share space. It's normal to bump into each other. That's it. It's not an issue of space. I see Americans, we go over there, it's like, oh, don't bump me. You could say, excuse me, for what? This is how we do things on this island. Welcome, guest. Go back home. This is why they don't like us. We're arrogant, pompous people and selfish. Don't want to give nothing. We give only for photo opportunities. We go on these mission trips, and the first thing we want to do is look for the poorest kid we can find. Cheese. And put it on our Facebook page. Look what I did. What'd you do? You tease them. When are you going back? Huh? What are you teaching them? Huh? All right, I, I, I digress. I'm on the soapbox. Get away from here. All right, there we go. Y'all, I'm telling you, I feel a certain kind of way about this type of thing. Proverbs says this. Proverbs 11:25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Self-explanatory. 
Here's what the world says to us. Attain as much as you can. That's what they tell us. Attain as much as you can. Keep it or invest it to benefit yourself. But God says, I'm going to pour out a blessing such that you won't have room to receive it. And the first thing we think, like, oh, God, is just going to bless me so abundantly. He does that so you can give more. God blesses you to be a bigger and better giver. He blesses you to be even more generous than you could even imagine. He don't bless you for selfish gain. He don't bless you so you can get the, the Mac Daddy crib. He don't bless you to get a new whip with new, new rims. A whip is a car for those who don't understand our urban colloquialisms. He blesses you to be a better giver, to be more generous. Let me talk about this in three levels. There are three responses to generosity. The very first entry-level, baseline level, the very first entry-level spot for generosity is simply this. Do what I should do. Do what I should do. Well, God has called us to be generous, so what should I do? Now, we can go into Old Testament and say, you got to give a tithe. And, and then there's this big argument about, well, the tithe was for the Old Testament and for those who were under the law. And, and, and Jesus was speaking to those people who were under the law when he says, yes, tithe. And I say, I agree. But the Bible was clear on us being cheerful givers. It's clear on that. The church was built not because everybody was cute, not because everybody was skilled in carpentry. It's because people gave money. It says clearly here they sold their possessions. That means if I sell something, we're doing a transaction. Somebody had to put something monetary on the table for this transaction to occur. Come on with me now. Do y'all know that Jesus had a, a treasurer with the disciples? And did y'all know that they did actually collect money? How do I know that? Because the so-called treasurer stole the doggone money. Money is real. Money is important. It says it here. So what's the baseline? What's the baseline entry level for generosity? Giving. Giving financially. Baseline. Now, here's what I like. Here's the principle I like to use with this. We'll call it priority percentage Giving. Priority percentage giving. What does that mean? It means give a percent of your income. You set the percent. Don't change from it. Set the percent first through God in prayer. You pray about this. God, I'm making uh, $1,000 a week. I know that's kind of low for some of y'all, but I'm just giving that example. I'm making $1,000 a week. You know my needs. You know what, 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 and you will take care of them. God, speak to my heart today as to the percentage I should give. Because I'm a New Testament, New Covenant believer. And I understand that the tithe was Old Testament. Now, if you don't know a percentage, I dare you to try the tithe. The tithe, I promise you, will bless you. If you're not giving a tithe right now, set that as your goal to give a tithe and watch what happens. I am here to tell you. I can call people that, that right now who've been giving and giving and giving. How do you go to a place where they've laid off 700 people in your profession and you go there, the stranger from a new land, and get a job? Because you've been tithing. Huh? Huh? Come on now. Come on. How do you do that? Go to a place where... 
where they're laying off 700. You put your application and you're not even from the doggone place. You don't know nobody. You don't got a hookup, a personal hookup. You go there and get the gig. I'm talking about my brother Greg. They laid 700 teachers off in Philadelphia. I have a friend who's an educator up there, and I tried to make that connection. It didn't happen because my friend said they just laid off 700-plus educators. He goes up there, interviews. They said, stick around, homeboy. Let me see you in action. He does the action. He gets the job. Baby, he's working. Let me tell you what he does. Greg is a faithful tither here. I wish he was here to witness it. He's a faithful tither, a faithful tither. I can share so many other testimonies of people right here in this room who've given a tithe, not an offering, not a tip. They've given a full tithe of their income, and they have been blessed extraordinarily. I'll tell you about another person who's been blessed, Joe McDonald, who used to be our parking man right out here, a faithful tither. Used to be right out here smiling, the pretty face you see, the first face you see when you came to Mosaic. Tithe, still tithes to this day. He moves. He wants a new job. He, he wants to be closer to his daughter who is in Texas. He applies everywhere he can. But the dream job will be in Texas with a major company called Dell. He says, Pastor B, can you pray for me? That's the one I want. A regular tither. Do you know what happened? He got that exact job that puts him only two, way, two hours away from his daughter. A regular tither. I dare you to try God. I dare you to give 10% of your income to God. Before you think about Comcast, AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, or whoever, think about God. I dare you. Now, I ain't going to give you no money back guarantee because that's God's money. I can't take his money from him. But I guarantee he'll bless you supernaturally. If y'all don't believe me, y'all call Joe or email Greg and see if God didn't bless them. What I just said is not a lie. Bless them. Regular tithers. They don't miss it. Come on now. Woo, I didn't mean to go that deep. Decide today to commit to the principle of priority percentage giving. Literally sit down with your spouse in the Bible with God and look at your finances and say, I am going to commit for the next six months. I'm not going to deviate from it. I'm going to commit to 5%. Start wherever you where your level is. But my goal is to get the full 10. Start wherever your level is, but make your goal to 10%. And watch how God shows up and shows out in your life. Somebody can say amen. I want to tell you something. All y'all, last week I made a decision to follow Christ, and God spoke to my heart. We needed to get these kids some backpacks, okay? Our regular giving, I'm just going to be transparent because that's the type of pastor I am. Our regular giving on average is about $400 a week. That's what we bring in from Sunday morning service on average, $400 a week. Our bills supersede that. But every month we make it, and we have just a little bit in the bank to save. I trusted God. He spoke to my heart. The entire offering we raised on last week was way more than, it was double plus some of what our normal is. We raised more than enough to buy backpacks, supplies, and other stuff for every single kid that we set a goal to buy it for. Somebody can say amen. Somebody can say amen. Every single kid that we set it out, that means 18 kids, two kids in each grade level will receive not just a backpack, but a backpack full of supplies that they'll need for the school year. Then I still have people emailing me as recent as this morning saying, do you still need money for 
Whoa! You can't tell me my God is not beautiful. People calling me today said that we still need money to help these kids. And I stepped out on faith and says, God, I'm going to take the entire offering. I know rent's due, and I know we can't just spare an extra dollar, but I'm trusting you. This is your church. I feel it in my gut. This is what you want me to do, and I am going to be obedient. And look what obedience did. Didn't just give us our goal, but we surpassed it. We paid the bills and still got money in the bank. Come on, don't. I dare you to test God today. I dare you. I dare you. Decide today what percentage you'll give to God and stick to it. Here's an easy way to do it. How many of you all have uh, automatic bill pay set up? Well, some of y'all, y'all like, no, I, I used to, but things got hard and I canceled it. Here's what I say. Automate what's important. You automate your other bills, automate what's important. There are people in this church right now that they don't, they don't even look at it. I know on Monday, we'll get a giving receipt saying that this person gave their tithe all the time without question. Because why? It's automated. It comes right out of their bank. They don't think about it. They know this is God's, you know, no matter what. If I get a bonus, that's cool, but this is God's. Automated. Set it up. Automatic bill pay right here to your church. Right here to your church. We promise we're going to use it to do good. (laughs) As you all see, we took your entire tithe, and now these kids will have backpacks and supplies. Let me move on. The second thing is do what I could do. Do what I could do. Sacrifice. That means above and beyond. Some of y'all can give a tithe, and it's it's like a blink in the bucket. It's like nothing. You'll pay your tithe, and you still got surplus left. Some of y'all can do better than 10%. Let's be honest. Some of y'all can do better than 20%. Some of y'all could do like half and won't even miss it. I'm just being real. Some of y'all are like loaded. Y'all just like trying to find ways to spend money. So desperate, you can't even find a sale. You want to spend money. Burn, as they used to say, my grandmother said, that money burning your pocket. You're like, I'm looking for a sale. Ain't even no sales. I want to spend some money. Spend it at your local church and watch what we do with it. The best investment you can make. I promise you, watch how we turn it around and impact somebody's life. Watch how we turn it around and introduce more people to Christ. Watch how we turn it around and and help some children that that are in need. Watch how we turn it around and send a little bit of money over there to Haiti to help some kids over there. Watch how we turn it around and help my friend in Africa who's building wells uh, so that they can have good drinking water. You know, ain't nobody in America dying from bad drinking water, right? That's a problem. That's a problem. And a friend of mine is over there digging digging wells and and purifying systems for good water for them. Watch what we do. Oh, my God, the visions and stuff that God has given me, man, we'd be be broke because I'd be giving it to every single uh, opportunity I can to help my brothers and sisters in need. The vision of mine is to build uh, a safe house for women that suffer from domestic violence. It's a dream of mine. My mother's a victim of domestic violence. And I know what that means when a woman escapes a relationship where she's getting beat down physically, already torn apart emotionally, but she's getting beat down physically, but she's afraid to go because this brother has told her he's going to kill her. She don't have a safe place so she can escape with her babies. Imagine if she, we had a place where that sister could go and escape and hide and we protect her and help her get back on her feet, find her a job, get her an apartment somewhere. And any education she's lacking, we help provide that. Come on now. God gives me this vision. Lord, have mercy. But I know he's going to bless it. I know he is. You know what a good word for this is? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Some of y'all get bonuses, and you are so excited, you're already spending it. 
Oh, we're going on Carnival Cruise. I can't wait. Your bonus, you don't think about who needs this. Let me tell you the story of my friend. I've shared it with you before, and we're going to wrap up here soon here. Uh, my friend Devin, I love this guy. Devin Burke, he owns a, a shipping company. And he actually has cargo, and he ships and stuff like that for companies. And he shared with me. I really admire him. He's much older than I am. I just don't even know how we became friends. But uh, he said to me, you know what my goal is in life? He says, I would love to tithe $1 million. I would love to tithe $1 million. He didn't say, I would love to give $1 million to UNICEF. I would love to give $1 million to care.org. I would love to give $1 million to the Red Cross. No, he said, I want to tithe. Because, see, you don't tithe to those companies. You tithe to your local church. This is a man with vision. He could have said, I want to make $10 million. He could have said that, right? Right, Daisy? He could have said, I want to make $10 million. But he didn't say that. He says, I want to tithe $1 million. He's not thinking about the profit. He's thinking about the giving. And I said, man, I need to change my perspective because my perspective would have been, I want to make $10 million, and if I make $10 million, I might give a little something to the church back in the day. Let's be honest. That would have been my thought. I want to make the money first, and then I'm going to give. His thing is, I want to give. Can I tell you all something? Devin, <laughs> Devin's an amazing guy. I had a meeting with him earlier this year at uh, Gordon Birch down there, and he's like, yeah, and I tell him how I use his story during our sermons. He says, oh, man, that's changed, man. I want to do 20% now. I've done, I've done that already. I've given. I'm like, oh, you rascal. Hey, I got a church over here. We're trying to get started, brother. Send a little something my way, you know. And he's like, but he's so committed and stuff. And so they've done, they had done their budget for the year. Maybe he'll catch me on the back end. I don't know. But certainly the fact of the matter is his vision, his, his priorities. I want to tithe. I want to give. He didn't say I want to give to a, a nonprofit. Some of us try to do that. Some of us tell ourselves that lie all the time. You know, well, I got to give to a nonprofit. It doesn't say I have to give to a church. No, that's not tithing. You don't tithe to a nonprofit. You tithe to a local church. All right? Last thing I want to share with you is do what I would do. Do what I would do. This is one of those opportunities if the Lord blesses you supernaturally. Uh, I'm not for gambling, but I know some of y'all might do the scratch-offs and play a little numbers and stuff. You know, if God blesses you, in the supernatural, and some of y'all have visions and dreams. You know, I look at this uh, Dwayne Wade. Some of y'all, don't be offended if you're not a fan, but I admire Dwayne Wade. One of the first things he did, he, he made a promise to his mother. He says, Mama, if I ever make it, I'm going to build you a church. His mother's a pastor, by the way, and he built her a church. And I ain't talking about, like, just brick and mortar. It's a beautiful edifice of a place, and he built that for her. And I says, I commend him. He had a vision. If God blesses me supernatural, Mom, I'm going to build you a church. What is God telling you? If God blesses you supernaturally, what is that vision he has in your mind? That is do what you would do. In other words, if I had a surplus of cash, if I came across some inheritance, what would I do that would honor God with it? Amen. 
Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.